almost everybody has played some sort of video game, some people casually and others as a regular pastime. However, we can sometimes take for granted the amount of time and effort it actually takes to develop a great game. In this interview, I'll be speaking to two software programmers about one of their very first projects that they undertook. This project involved the development of an arcade shooter game called Zephyr Echelon. Hi, I'm John Robertson, a programmer and designer for an upcoming PC shooting game called Zephyr Echelon. Hi, I'm Adam Crossan, programmer and graphics artist on the project. <laughs> I was responsible for concept design from level features and backgrounds to modelling and animating the enemy and player ships, as well as gameplay programming and scripting. In this game, you play a pilot in the Zephyr Echelon, which are a squadron of elite tactical fighters. The game begins in the closing moments of a war between Earth and an alien race, just as you're about to assault their final stronghold, one of the enemy ships opens up a rift in time to a point before the war began. Both you and the ship make it through the rift, but when you emerge on the other side, it appears that history has been changed. The aliens now have the upper hand. Your ultimate goal in this game is to locate and destroy this experimental ship and ultimately win the war. For such a short project, we definitely had to stick to core features of a scrolling shooter, and depending on how those proceeded, we could then test and layer more sophisticated gameplay on top. So firstly, there had to be enemy appearance patterns, so that waves of enemy AI can sweep in with a variety of projectile types and force the player to react by dodging or destroying them. Each enemy ship type had to have a distinct appearance so the player can associate it with certain behaviour. To make each behaviour type distinct, we worked on movement and firing patterns, so enemies that spread burst fire, or enemies that loop around, or home in on the player. I think we laid down some good code to handle this, but we only implemented two or three basic test types in the time available. Another core feature we wanted to reach the balancing and playtesting stage for was having multiple component bosses. That's not too far beyond the basic enemy movement mechanics but instead of reaching a point where the level suspends until you clear away a wave of AI ships, the enemy would be a large capital ship with individual turrets and other components the player can destroy that are all linked to the health of the core boss. One problem with that was the extra graphics overhead that placed on me, of course. We put in a couple of different weapon modes on the player ship, as you might expect, reusing some of the pattern code for enemy movement but we're still not sure how that will balance once the overall level structures and enemy types are adjusted, so that element was left as quite experimental. Finally, there was the core gameplay hook, the feature that sets this apart from other shooters. In hindsight, I think rapid prototyping was a great idea to set up a basic game where we could try out these ideas, and we definitely achieved that in a short amount of time. Some of the concepts we looked at were timed reversal, or clearing a section with help from your past self, using a recording of your actions from the first half of an event. Obviously those are too complex for the prototyping stage because we would have had to set up a complete state-by-state -state action recording system. We also spent a bit of time looking into more advanced dodging so the player could take cover behind debris to avoid blast rings. I think this mechanic could have been extended in stages, but it's dependent on a lot of in-depth level set pieces and some different types of collision detection and response. Most games of this type have pretty basic hit detection when you look into it, so there's plenty of potential to expand what's possible. 
the game itself is programmed in Java Software Edition using the Eclipse IDE. For the enemy and player ships, we decided that we would pre-render each of the sprites using Blender, which is a piece of 3D modeling software. The actual levels are composed of many 2D tiles, and we use Microsoft Paint to draw these. The reason we chose to make this game is because we were both interested in getting into the games industry. We saw this as a good opportunity to provide a demo and you know, give something to our prospective employers. When we started this project, both myself and Adam had recently graduated in computing science from Glasgow University. This course taught us a variety of programming techniques but didn't really focus on any games development. However, in our spare time we both worked on individual gaming projects. For example, Adam has written a couple of text-based games and a Tetris clone. I myself have worked on a mobile phone game, which is a top-down RPG. We both felt it would be a worthwhile experience to start a group project. So we gave ourselves a goal of coming up with a playable demo within two weeks. Java was definitely our strongest language at the time, and having such a short time frame made it our first choice for producing content. It also has the advantage of being extremely portable. Since neither of us had much knowledge of graphical programming, we thought we would stick with a 2D game. Now all we had to do was decide which type of game we would make. The types of games I'm interested in are first-person shooters like Doom and Half-Life, real-time strategy such as StarCraft and Command and & Conquer, and RPGs like the Final Fantasy series and Baldur's Gate. However, all these are a bit too complicated considering the limited timeline that we had, so we had to choose something a bit more realistic. We basically narrowed it down to two types of game, either a platform game or an arcade shooter. Since there's already about a million Mario clones out there, we thought we'd do a shooter. At this stage, the final decision we had to make was the type of shooter, either vertically scrolling or horizontally scrolling. The most recent shooter we'd played was Ikaruga on the GameCube, so we ended up going with a vertically scrolling game. We drew influence from quite a broad spectrum of shooters and picked up on certain parts we liked from a few of them. The most modern one we played was Ikaruga. Having played it was almost a problem in itself, because afterwards it's hard to think of any ways to improve or do anything sufficiently different that it hasn't already done something really inventive with. What's very inspiring about it is the way it managed to reinvent the core gameplay of this genre so completely. So, we had a case showing it's possible to do something new and interesting. We also more or less directly copied the small collision box that they use on the player ship. Once you get used to using that in the game, it feels very neat and in a way it's quite forgiving. Your wingtips don't count for being shot and it's easier to slip past obstacles. Of course, that gives us free reign to throw all kinds of crazy firepower at the player and still expect them to dodge it. For me, the other great strength of Ikaruga is the strong theme. Light and dark is completely cliched but they used a very strong art direction with washed out colours and stark lighting, so it looked very stylized and modern. At the same time, they still managed to have a very varied set of enemies and used the ones that seemed very simple in complicated ways. The second level intro is just unbelievable. An older game we played through was Darius Twin for the SNES. It's quite similar to R-Type, but with more ridiculous weapon upgrade mechanics and more themed enemies. I like the gameplay in R-Type and Tyrion more than Darius Twin, but they both had a vast amount of mechanical and biological sprites, and what was very memorable about Darius Twin was that all the enemies were some sort of sea creature. That gave us the idea of a unifying theme for the enemy ships, and it relates again to how Ikaruga used light and dark and combinations of the two. As Adam was saying, we drew inspiration from several existing games. 
certainly for me there were a couple of memorable ones including Tyrion which was an early 90s game by Epic overall it was just such a well rounded game from the music, the art direction to the unique end of stage bosses everything seemed to flow really well another game that sticks out is R-Type by Irem I mean again it has a collection of really memorable levels from organic to kind of biomechanical and uh, the end of level bosses in the game as well just really outstanding for the time Every project faces difficulties along the way, especially when such an endeavour is considered to be new ground for a group. Both John and Adam encounter some setbacks, and here they will explain a little about them. Throughout the project, we had to overcome a number of problems. One thing we noticed is that our levels looked too blocky, but that I mean it was too obvious where different types of terrain would overlap. For example, there would be a flat edge where the ocean would meet the land, which didn't look very natural or realistic. So we had to find some way of disguising the fact that our level was made up of t- regular tiles. We experimented with a number of solutions, but in the end we implemented a fringe algorithm. This algorithm would take each tile in turn and work out the different types of terrain that overlapped it. From here it would draw a fringe tile that broke the continuity of the landscape. While this solution gave us a good visible results, it did require a lot of time. We had to sit and draw 32 distinct fringe tiles for each type of terrain. On the plus side though, once we had this in place, it made the level creation much easier. We didn't have to go into each level and individually pick the correct fringe for each tile. The algorithm would do this for us. I think every independent small team project has to overcome problems with motivation, coordination, design and content. For us, the one we struggled most with was how we produce enough content within the time available. We succeeded in making the game engine. It did what we needed, it's flexible and understandable and all the time we spent coding it felt right. It was efficient and worthwhile. Where we didn't meet some of our goals was in the graphics and the levels. It's the entire process of producing what you see on screen that needed to be better. You sketch components, rough out how you want the level sections to be detailed, use graphics software to create background graphics, animate ships and effects, and then translate all of that into something the game engine can understand. Then once all those assets exist in the game, only then can you piece the level together. It's often repeated that you should create some form of editor for these projects, and I have written grid editors before, but I think that's too simple a way of looking at it. Getting the editor right should simplify all the steps along the way. Since we use pre-rendered 3D models, I had to mess about lining up animation frames, offsetting them when the sizes were different, um, working out their collision areas and writing those down as coordinates, that sort of thing. And when you have no feedback until you run the game, The cycle when you need to correct an offset just becomes very tedious and wasteful of time. An editor for handling sprite frames wouldn't just be a fancy extra that took ages to code, it would save hours and hours of time. It's obvious how that brings huge benefits on projects with more people, but for us it was something we couldn't do in this instance. One of the trade-offs we could have made was uh, game efficiency for the content produced. I mean. If we'd spent time painting the levels as huge bitmaps instead of implementing tile indexing, we might have produced more graphics in the time frame, but the file sizes and memory requirements for the game would have suffered. And actually, we didn't want to make that compromise because it would have made it harder to reuse graphics in the future. 
As we progressed with the project and the game engine began to take form, we quickly realised that creating levels was going to be a time-consuming process. Our levels are effectively a large grid of numbers which represent tile indexes. Designing a level involves going into a text editor such as Notepad and manipulating these numbers. For example, tile number 25 might represent a piece of ocean, whereas tile number 17 might represent a piece of land. We tried to structure our tiles that, so that you had ranges of tiles that correspond to the same piece of terrain. So we would separate ocean, land, grass, mountains, cities, uh, alien landscape, so that they were all in the same kind of band of tiles. This method worked fine in the early stages of the game, when we were prototyping code and the levels were small. However, when it came to translating the first couple of levels from our notes and sketches to the text editor, we found that we were making a lot of mistakes. Additionally, identifying and altering individual areas of the level became very difficult. This was compounded by the fact that we had to insert trigger points that control enemy spawn points and game events. Bear in mind you have no visual representation of the level, so not only is this very laborious, but it's very trial and error. One thing that I gained from completing this project was the experience of working with another developer. It could be really beneficial having two pairs of eyes on the code, especially when you're in the prototyping stage, trying to figure out what works well and what doesn't. For example, should these enemy ships be able to avoid our missiles, or do you think these guys are moving a bit too fast? The same thing can be said about debugging. I could be sitting there for ages, looking through the same lines of code over and over again, trying to figure out why I've broken our collision detection. Then Adam would point out I'm using the wrong animation frames for this type of ship. Of course, this works both ways. Another thing that I got out of this project is reusing some of the code from our game engine. I've since started to write a 2D platform game in C++ and OpenGL. The code and structure is used to draw sprites and handle scriptable events is largely similar in both of these games. Since we closed the project, we've both worked on various other things that have the potential to flesh out Zephyr a lot if we both could find some time to work towards a new milestone for it. I've got a lot more 3D experience, and I've done some additional design work for the ships and environments, so I'm sure we could expand the enemy armada pretty quickly. I've developed a much more powerful game editor for another project, using a few of the ideas I discussed earlier. I really like the concept work and the engine that we did finish during the project, and I'd definitely like to work on it more and take it further if we get the chance. Overall, with the knowledge we've gained and the tools that we now have in place, like Adam's level editor, I'm sure we'll go back to finish Zephyr sometime soon. Thanks for listening. I hope you all enjoyed the show and gained an insight into the development of a video game. Wrapped in love and attraction.